0: Please remain standing for the reading of God's word from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26. Galatians 5, beginning in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now... provoking one another, envying one another. It's God's word for his people today. You may be seated. And let's pray once again and ask for God's help. Father, we pray that you would teach us by your word, that we may walk its truth by the power of the Spirit in our lives. We pray what we do not know you would show us, and we pray that what we do not yet have you would give us. And so that we would be your people in your world, living with you all by grace, for the sake of your name and your glory among our neighbors and the nations we pray. Amen. On every international mission trip that I've been on, I was always asked, many a times, what it's like to live in America. And it's easy to answer. Because I live here, Uh, it's my daily life, many things come to mind, but it's actually a very hard question, because how can you really summarize what it's like to live in America for someone who's never been here? There's lots of things, but how, how can you put words around it to really help them know what we live in every day? And so, th- think about it this way. Let's say tomorrow, a non-Christian co-worker or friend asks you how your weekend was, and part of your answer includes your morning today with the church, and they ask you what it's like to be a Christian. That, too, is both an easy and a hard question to answer, isn't it? We, many things might come to mind, but how can we really help someone who doesn't live this life know what this life is really like. Galatians 5 gives us actually one word that helps us clearly define what living as a Christian is like. Freedom. It's freedom. Now, in my experience, though, whether we're talking to non-Christians or Christians, freedom I think first comes to mind and how we define our life in this country or at least one of the first things that come to mind we're free but in my experience it's not often how Christians talk about our life in Christ we might talk about what we do we might talk about our future but, but freedom isn't usually one of the first things that we give in an answer to what the Christian life is like but it is freedom that really defines what our life in Christ is like. Because the Christian life isn't primarily shaped by what we do. I think non-Christians think that's what the Christian life is. You just do different things than they do. But it's still about you doing. But the Christian life, actually, the gospel of Jesus Christ in which we stand isn't primarily shaped by what we do, but by what's already been done. And because that's true, Galatians 5 verse 1 says, Jesus has set you free. It's done. It's already done. He has set. For freedom, Jesus set you free. Past actions with ongoing implications for how we live life now. So it's actually not just about the future. Some people think the Christian, you you just... You just said sorry to God one day, and now you're going to heaven whenever that other day comes. So it's either about what you do or about what you will do. But, But freedom actually gives us a more fuller picture of life, our life in the past, the life in which we now stand, and our eternal future. It's because Jesus set us free from the past, from our condemnation, to live life with him in the present so that for eternity we will enjoy life with him and it is freedom because it's he who secured it for us in spite of what we deserve through his life death and resurrection and so i want us to see three ways then galatians 5 uh, defines the shape of the christian life as a life of freedom as a life of freedom So three ways that Galatians 5 shows us the shape of the Christian life is freedom. First, it's freedom from the law. Freedom from the law. It's freedom in the Holy Spirit. Freedom in the Spirit. And then it's the freedom of belonging. Freedom of belonging. So freedom from the law, freedom in the Spirit, and the freedom of belonging. So first, the freedom from the law. Look at verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. Jesus Christ frees sinners whose faith is in him alone from the tyranny of keeping the law to be accepted by or gain and maintain God's love and blessing. The the shape of the Christian life isn't defined by what we do or don't don't do in terms of law-keeping. And that's been the main concern, hasn't it? Uh, since the beginning of Galatians. That's the main concern of this letter, that our justification, God declaring sinners not guilty of sin and counting them righteous. Justification is two things, not guilty and perfectly righteous. And that's not achieved by our completing works of the law, but by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And alone means alone. Right There's no deficiency in who Jesus is or what he's done that you must make up for or add to. Jesus does not need your help to save you. He does not need your help. He doesn't need you plus a few other things for you to do to then secure your uh, salvation or blessing or his acceptance, to make you an heir of promise, one of God's sons. He doesn't need your help. Jesus crucified on the cross. He bore our curse, the curse of our sin, and his death paid in full what our sin deserved. We only bring the sin we need saving from. We don't bring anything except clinging to the only one who could save us. And even that is not our doing. That's because God opened our eyes through the power of the Spirit to cause you to repent. And so Jesus is the sufficient Savior, which means there's nothing left for sinners to do in the work of salvation, in justification. It's faith alone in Jesus alone, because he alone saves. And that's why verse 19 says, for through the law, God's people have died to the law. We we died to the law through the law. And, and, and briefly we talked about that several months ago but God justifies sinners by faith alone in Jesus alone not by anything sinners do or could do it's he underwent keeping the law for us on our behalf because we couldn't do it and so being dead to the law then means you're free from its tyranny you're free from its tyranny and brothers and sisters this freedom means we begin each day fully known and who we really are and what we once were. God fully knows us and our sinful natures. And yet, freedom from the tyranny of the law means you're fully loved. Even before you wake up in the morning, you are fully accepted and infinitely loved by God if your faith is in Jesus Christ. You don't start every morning having to earn God's love or to make up for your failures yesterday. Or, let's say you just did really good yesterday. You don't wake up today having to Maintain Maintain God's blessing and love Freedom from the law means It's already yours in Jesus So every morning you wake up You already are God's son Through faith You are an heir of promise It's already true It's already done You're free And we're far removed from Paul Through the Holy Spirit Writing uh, the letter To the church in Galatia Uh, But there's still a danger of turning to our doing for salvation. Now, we might not get out the Old Testament and try to keep those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laws. But how often do you or are you tempted throughout the day to base God's favor with you on your performance? How often does that checklist in the back of your mind appear? Did you read your Bible today? Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you oh or all these things you're not supposed to do, you did? Check, check, check. And then you think, oh God, man, God must really not be very happy with me today. Well, let me tell you some freeing news, brothers and sisters. God's love for you doesn't increase on your good days or decrease on your bad days. He's not pleased with sin. Don't don't misunderstand this. We're talking about the state that you're in. The the, the shape of your life. God doesn't grow his love for you when you're doing really well and he doesn't pull his love away from you when you're not. It can't. (laughs) Because if you're in Jesus, you're already fully loved. And his love for you cannot change, not because of your performance, but because of Christ. If you're Christ, you're his. And everything that's true of Jesus is true of you. And so God's love for his people cannot change because of Jesus Christ. And so we must start there before we move on. And that's why Galatians 5 chapter, or excuse me, Galatians 5 verse 1 says, stand firm in the freedom you have. Don't submit to the slavery that is works-based, performance-driven living. It says, cling to the freedom for which Jesus set you free. You are free. Start there. And as we'll see in a moment, that starting point actually destroys the power of sin in your life. It's for freedom Jesus set you free. But it's a freedom from the law to find your identity and worth and all that Jesus has done for you on your behalf. So that's the first freedom. The first freedom shaping the Christian life is freedom from the law. Secondly, the second freedom shaping the Christian life is freedom in the spirit. Freedom in the spirit. We're gonna spend a little bit more time on this one. Freedom in the spirit uh, is... Something that Jesus set us free for now. So Christianity is not just something about what we're waiting for one day. This this impacts our daily life now. But proclaiming that Jesus set sinners free from the law often makes people in the church very nervous. Because if you don't give people law, then they are given license to sin. And so freedom in the Spirit is kind of this weird nebulous, oh, we can just do whatever we want, the Holy Spirit, yeah. But freedom from the law is not a license to sin. And that's actually a false choice. The Bible never teaches that the choice is either law or license. Freedom from the law is not freedom to sin. It's freedom to live in the Spirit. And our morning's verses have four synonymous phrases that clearly define what life in the Spirit means. Walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, and keeping in step with the Spirit and again that can sound like very christiany language that sounds like something a pastor would say from a pulpit but on tuesday afternoon what does that really look like well i'm glad you asked and i'm glad even if you didn't because we're going to look in at verses 13 and 14 in chapter 5 and and paul helps us have the rubber hit the road here what does it really mean okay i'm free from the law but what now I'm not just waiting around from heaven. I'm free in the Spirit. But what does that mean? Well, to live guided by the Spirit, it means this. For you are called to freedom, brothers. There it is again. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So it's not freedom from the law to sin. But what's it a freedom to? But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, now now maybe another question comes to mind. You think, well, wait a second, Paul. You literally just got done telling me that I'm free from the law. (laughs) And now you're telling me our lives should fulfill the law. Well, how can that be? Jesus frees us from the obligation to keep the law in order to earn or maintain God's love and blessing and salvation. He frees us from that obligation because he kept it. And his perfect record of law-keeping becomes the sinner's record of perfect law-keeping by faith alone. And so being free from the obligation to keep the law doesn't mean the law has no bearing upon our lives. Because the law is an expression of God's nature and it explains his design for life in his world. And so we're free from the condemnation and the tyranny of law-keeping and not keeping the law, but we are only free of that in Christ alone. But in Christ, we now have the Spirit's fo- power to fulfill the law, not as a means of earning. We, we always, uh, especially in the West, we think of doing means earning. Uh, but, but Paul's flipping it on its head here. He, he's telling us that we don't, we don't fulfill the law as a way to earn or keep God's love or blessing. We fulfill the law because we already have God's love and blessing. Because that, that we already now have the Spirit working within us with the law written on our hearts to actually love God. And we want to. And we now have the power to because of the Spirit within us. And this goes back to the argument of Galatians 3. When he says, you know, what do you, why are you going back to the law? Did you, did, did you get the Spirit by doing the law in the first place? Was it your doing that, that uh, gave you God's justification? I mean, we don't do the law and then receive the Holy Spirit. Christ set us free from the tyranny and curse of the law and gave us the promised Holy Spirit in order that we might live out the Law and its fulfillment, its end goal, by the power of the Spirit. So Sinclair Ferguson wrote a very helpful book called The Holy Spirit. Uh, And in this, he explains this, what the Spirit is doing in us now. He says, The New Covenant believer receives the law in Christ. We receive the law, just not apart from Christ. We now receive it in Christ, who has fulfilled its ordinances and suffered the penalty of its breach in our place. And the new covenant receiver also, as well, receives the power of the Spirit who energizes, who enables Christ's people to fulfill the law in their own lives. The ministry of the Spirit produces the end goal of the law rather than its condemnation. So we, we still receive the law just in a different way. We've now received the law in Christ. And the Spirit of Christ helps us fulfill the end goal of the law rather than leave us in our condemnation of not keeping it. So the freedom Jesus gives isn't a freedom to live however we want. That's being enslaved to our passions and desires. So if you just, people think if I can do whatever I want, then I'm free. No, you're just a slave. You're still a slave, you're just a different kind of slave. So we didn't, so Jesus didn't free us from the slavery to the law to keep us in chains to our passions and our flesh. He freed us. Jesus frees us from the tyranny of the law and the power of sin by giving us the Holy Spirit to actually live with God in his world with him in the way he designed. And again, we're not left to figure out what this really looks like in our life. Again, let's try to Bring this way down to everyday living. What does this mean? That that might all be true, but what's it look like? Well, if Jesus has set you freed, he freed you from sin, verse 14, to a life to love God and serve others. That's the shape of the Christian life. It's not for me or to me. It's for God and to God by loving and serving others. That's the real freedom that Christ gives sinners. It's actually a freedom from ourselves, a freedom from sinful self love. And what does sinful self love look like? Well, look at verses 19 and 21. Just on and on and on and on, Paul goes. And these are all ways that we use or abuse others in order to love and exalt ourselves. You see the flip? That's what we once were, dead in this, under its reign and power, to do anything I can to love and exalt myself. And our sinful natures are amazingly adept, aren't they, at finding new ways to serve ourselves, which is why Paul ends his list of fleshly works with the phrase, and things like these. He's like, I know you. You're going to be like, but what about? Or, oh, he didn't say this in Galatians 5, so I'm good. And things like these, because we are truly amazing at finding new ways to love and serve and exalt ourselves. And Paul says, if that list and things like them characterize your life, then you can be sure you're not free, but you're still enslaved to sin and under the curse of the law. Because those in Christ are no longer characterized. The shape of their lives aren't defined by indulging the flesh in love of self. Because for those in Christ, you have been set free. And the Spirit now enables and equips you to live a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says these things have no law against them. There's no law against those things. Now, Paul's point isn't just that there's nothing wrong with these virtues, that the Bible doesn't forbid them. He, he does mean that, but that's not just what he means. I think what Paul is trying to teach us is that the, the law actually can't produce these things. Law-keeping actually can't make you a person who loves God and others. The law can't produce it. The law can't help you do what it commands. It can only condemn when you fall short of its end goal. Do you see the predicament? The law can't do what it commands. And if you don't do what it commands, then you justly are under its condemnation. You you are under its tyranny. You will face God's wrath justly against your sin of loving yourself supremely. That's the predicament. But, praise God, he sent his son to redeem those under the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us on our behalf. Not to live a life. We're not redeemed to live a life however we want. But now we're redeemed to a life that loves and obeys God because the Spirit has written his law on our hearts. That's the other way we receive the law. You see, it's not between law and license. When Jesus sets you free, he gives you his Holy Spirit. But this was a key promise in the Old Testament. It's not to live however we want until the last day comes. We're free to live in the Spirit. What does that mean? It means the Spirit now has written his law on our hearts so that we actually want to love God and love and serve others and live with him. This is why Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-three says it. It says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts, not so that they can do it to earn it, but because, but because I will do it. This is the whole promise. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. It's all of God's doing. But to make us his people, who walk with him and for him in love of him and others. And Jesus frees his people from sin and the law, and that frees us to be in the Spirit which means living with God as his people. Him as our God and we as his people who keep in step with him, to live life with him as the law is now written on our hearts and we're enabled to do it. And that's why the fruit of the spirit that Paul talks about is against the works of the flesh because the law can't produce those things. It can only show how much we love ourselves. It's the spirit then who shapes our lives by love and joy and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. And so life in the Spirit is a life now shaped in the presence by the Holy Spirit making us holy people. And that's the, that's the first shape of life in the Spirit. It's a life now of loving God and serving others. But, but, this that leads to the other way our freedom in the Spirit helps us know and explain and talk about the shape of our Christian life. The shape of the Christian life is one of conflict. Conflict. Look at verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Okay, so we now have the Spirit. The law is written on our hearts. We have the power to actually do what God designed the law to do from hearts that want to. But as new covenant believers with hearts that now want to love God and obey him, our lives on this side of eternity are marked by conflict with the flesh. Your, day is a, your life is a daily battle between the spirit and the flesh. And, and so on the one hand, don't be discouraged when you're in the thick of it with your flesh and its desires. Don't believe the lie that if you sin, you must not be a child of God. You must not be free. You must not have the Spirit. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't believe the lie. Instead, I mean, in one sense, you should be encouraged, right? Because if the Spirit wasn't at work within you, you wouldn't care at all about sinning. You would love it, And you would not not want to do it. But again, this makes people nervous. Because if we don't have law, we're just giving people license. So how does Paul answer this in chapter 5? Well, first we start with remembering that life in the Spirit is not a life of perfection. It's a life of conflict. Freedom in the Spirit is freedom from the curse of sin... But it's not a freedom from conflict with sin. And and that, if you're like me, could be an overwhelming thought. That I might face, or am facing a major battle for the rest of my life until the day I die. This constant battle with the flesh and the spirit. And I don't know about you, but I find that a tad discouraging. That every day I'm going to wake up in a major fight. And so I want to briefly focus on two ways uh, Galatians 5 equips us for this lifelong conflict and how we can live in the spirit. First, the conflict has already been won. It it is a conflict, but you already know the ending, right? The, The major battle is won. We're just in those last skirmishes before the generals come in and end it once and for all. Jesus already conquered our sin. So this is not a conflict that you have to win. You don't wake up every morning with it in the balance based on your performance. It's a conflict, though, that even though it's already won, you must enter. And this is the tension, right? It's already won, but you have to enter it. You must. A life in the Spirit is a life of conflict with the flesh and putting it to death. And you have to put it to death. Look at verse 21. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, loving yourself by using and abusing others, the works of the flesh, verses 19 to 21, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of god and again you're like but paul wait you just said it it seems like paul's talking out of both sides of his mouth but the context helps us in in context do such things means you sin without internal opposition if if life in the Spirit is walking and living and being led and keeping in step with the Spirit, then do such things mean you walk and live and are led and keep in step with the flesh. Do you see the difference? It's a a characterization. It's not, if you sin today, you you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's not that. It, It means if you rather walk in sin, you you live by the flesh are led by the flesh rather than by the spirit then you should have no hope that uh, of of this kingdom of God that you will inherit you should not bank on you being a, a son of God a child of promise one of Abraham's offspring that Paul has been arguing out throughout this letter you should not bank on that if you are walking by the flesh so again it doesn't mean we will come to a point in our lives when we don't sin that's not paul's argument you will but the key phrase is the spirit within us is opposing those things are you convicted by sin do you wish you didn't do it do you hate it and increasingly so do you long for full and true and perfect communion with christ do you long for evil to be done with once and for all? Do you long for the day when Jesus just didn't crush the head of the serpent, but casts him into the depths of hell forever? That's what he's talking about. He's not saying, I got angry today. I lusted this way. I, I tore down another person to exalt myself. I served myself this afternoon rather He's not talking about the individual things. He's saying, is your life marked by the spirit or is it marked by the flesh? If you're in Christ, you can't be marked by the flesh. So if you do these things, if you're marked by the flesh, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Warning, enter the conflict. Put it to death today. Pray pray for grace to hate it. Pray for the tools to kill it. And we'll help you. This is why we're in this room together. This is not a room of people who have figured it all out and are now not sinning and, and will help those who you know, walk in here to, to stop sinning. We're, this is not a, a people who have you know, figured out how to live perfectly. We're following the Savior who lived perfectly on our behalf and has given us his spirit to kill the sin within us so that we more and more look like him in our daily lives. And actually, this is the answer to law and license. Because on the one hand, people who say we've got to give people law, because if we don't, we give them license. The heart is right. Can we Let's agree with that. We, we, the Christian life is a life of holiness. It is the Holy Spirit <laughs> that that is given to his people, who helps us live lives of holiness set apart by God, to be made more and more like his son, who was holy. But the answer is not law to keep people from sinning. That's condemnation. If you give people law, all you're going to do is make them feel the weight of how they can't keep it. So the answer is never law. The law is not the answer to people. People don't need a list of do's and don'ts to stop sinning. They need the Spirit of Christ who conquered sin. And so that's why, we, that's why it's walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit and guided by the Spirit. Which leads to the second way uh, Galatians 5 equips us. Not only did Jesus do it already, so enter the conflict, but take it one day at a time. Take the conflict one day at a time. That's what the phrases walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, and keeping in step with the Spirit drive home. That, as we just sang, we don't walk alone. We're not alone in this conflict. God's Spirit dwells within us, and we're called to walk by and live by and be led by and keep in step with the Spirit, which means he's already at work. He's already at work. We're called to align ourselves daily with the Spirit's work through the word and prayer. And the old, uh, the old uh, religious word for uh, talking about this is the word yield, Yield. We usually only see those on signs, and most people in Detroit don't obey it. <laughs> Yield means just go and hope someone else yields. Okay? So it's just something we don't really talk about or use anymore. But if God the Spirit is already at work to accomplish God the Father's purposes, to exalt God the Son, then we're not called to make those things happen, neither in us or through us. We're called to yield our wills and desires, that love of self that creeps up. Put it to death, yield it, Never sub- don't submit to it. And then keep in step with what the Spirit is already doing in us and around us. And that's the daily choice, brothers and sisters. You might be already accepted wake- when you wake up, but you have a daily choice who you're gonna keep in step with every morning. And the lifelong battle of the conflict with the flesh becomes a lot less overwhelming when it's broken up in daily chunks. Don't worry about Tuesday afternoon. Worry about today. (laughs) Let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. Today, ask Lord, what are you doing in me? What do you want to do through me? How are you making me more like Jesus? The Spirit is the Spirit who exalts Christ. How do I exalt Christ? How can Christ be exalted in me and through me? And Father, give me the power to keep in step with what your Spirit is already doing to exalt your Son in my world. Today, died to self and yield to the Spirit. And so then we have then the freedom from the law, which is a freedom to live in the Spirit, uh, which can be summarized with the final freedom that shapes the Christian life, the freedom of belonging. The freedom of belonging. Look at verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The first step in walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, being led by and keeping in step with the Spirit is actually not something you do. It's something you know. It starts with knowing who you are. In the biblical way of saying it is actually knowing whose you are. Jesus freed us from sin so that you would belong to him. He freed you from sin so that you would be his treasured possession. And Paul said it this way a couple chapters earlier in Galatians, in chapter 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It is what? No longer... I who live but Christ who lives in me and belonging to Christ and not to yourself doesn't sound like freedom in our world that actually sounds like slavery so if you start talking in terms like this to your neighbors who are asking you what's it like being a Christian and you talk about well it's freedom but it's freedom of belonging I know who I am, whose I am I'm not my own well, that doesn't sound like very good news. That actually sounds like slavery. But again, that's the upside-down way of the world, isn't it? Because the opposite is actually true. Belonging to Christ is true freedom. Listen to Romans 6. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? So in other words, Paul in Romans is saying, listen, church, uh, you all, we all, everyone in this world, inside the church, outside the church, we all belong to someone. We're all presenting ourselves as slaves to something. The only question is, to whom do you belong? Are you belonging to someone who leads to life, or do you belong to something that leads to death? That's the question. That's the choice. You, It's not... Not really, am I free or not free? <laughs> the, the question is, who do you belong to? Because we all belong to someone. And while it appears to the world that those who can do whatever they want are the most free, they're actually the most enslaved. It, it, they're presenting themselves as slaves to sin. That's the answer in Romans 6. They might think they're independent and autonomous, but they're actually in bondage. The only way to be truly free, friends, is to belong to Jesus. That's the only true freedom in the world. The question that shapes the Christian life is to whom do you belong? The question that shapes every day, that should help us and keep us walking with the Spirit, living by the Spirit, keeping step with the Spirit is to say, to whom do I belong today? And the answer is, I am not my own. I belong to Jesus Christ. And what sounds like not good news is actually the most wonderful news in all the world. Because I only quoted Galatians 2.20 in part a few moments ago, but let me quote it in full. And how about you just turn over a couple pages and read it along with me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, not by works. I've been freed from that. I live by faith in the Son of God, and here we go, who loved me and gave himself for me. For me. The one who was running headlong away from him and loving every minute of it. And so why is this good news? Why is the freedom of belonging such good news in a world that just prizes independence and freedom? Because the way that the world tells you to be free is actually the path of enslaving death. But here, here is freedom to belong, not to a cruel master, but to someone who loved you and gave himself for you. I mean, why else would you give up living for yourself and yield to a Holy Spirit and walk with him and be led by him? Why? Because if Jesus loves you enough to die for you, then you can trust whatever he says and wherever he leads. And so, friends, knowing who you belong to changes everything. It changes our tomorrow, even though don't worry about tomorrow. It changes our today. And this freedom of belonging actually destroys the power of the flesh and sin in our lives. In the past, you were enslaved to sin, but Jesus set us free. And verse 24 then goes on to define that. It says, you have crucified your flesh with its passions and desires. So when Christ saved you, and when, when, he, when the Spirit opened your eyes and you repented of your sin and your faith was not now in yourself or anything you could do, but in Christ alone and all he is and has done. In that moment, your flesh and its desires were crucified too. Though the flesh still opposes the Spirit within us, it was dealt a death blow when Jesus set you free. And I hope you see how liberating and life-changing that is. Because I think most of us in in this room would nod along and say, Amen. And then we walk out, and we actually don't live in that freedom. It is life-changing to belong to Jesus. And far too many in the church fail to live in the freedom Jesus provides because we forget that the flesh and its desires have no authority or power over us anymore no matter how strong they pull. And yes, we will sin and fail. But our flesh and the passions of it have been dealt a death blow when Jesus set us free. So because we've been crucified with Christ, your sinful desires can not only tempt you, they don't actually rule you, they don't control you, they no longer have any reign over you, Their, their power has been cut off. The Spirit can help you oppose it and overcome it. Before us, we'd just give in. And not only just give in, we'd want to. But now we have this heart within us that that wants to fight. And now we have the power to fight because Jesus crucified our passions and our desires when it crucified our flesh. And so now we belong to Christ. Not to ourselves and we're not ruled but what we used to be ruled by and this is the new beat we daily march to it we have to this is why knowing freedom is the shape of our daily life is so important this is the beat you march to every day when you wake up you are not your own and your flesh and your desires don't rule you you are christ's and he is yours forever and that's true freedom brothers and sisters and that's the shape of our lives in Christ. So, yes, I would love for you to go tomorrow and tell people, what, it's, what does it mean to be a Christian? What's that look like? But before that, I want you to know and to love it, to relish in the freedom that you have, that you've been freed from the tyranny of the law and sin and death. You now have the Spirit within you who has written God's law on your heart so that you might love him supremely and love and serve others. And you now have an identity that is secure, eternally and foreverly secure. It is totally yours because of Jesus Christ who loved you and gave himself for you. So he belongs to you and you belong to him. And that cannot be taken from you because Jesus is the sufficient Savior. And so five points, may you know and live more and more in the freedom for which Christ has set you free. Let's pray. Father, these things are too wonderful for us. We will spend eternity plumbing the depths of them and still never get to the bottom of your love and your grace. And so we pray that we would not use the freedom that we have in Christ as an opportunity for the flesh. But that we would be your people here gathered on this corner to then scatter throughout the week that would walk by your Spirit and live by your Spirit. That we would constantly be asking for guidance by your Spirit so that we may keep in step with the Spirit who is now at work among us to exalt Jesus and expand your kingdom. And so we pray that we would align ourselves daily with the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control so that in us and through us, you would get all the glory in everything we say and do. We pray that you would help us know the truth that you have crucified our flesh along with its passions and desires and they no longer have any reign over us. Help us to put to death the deeds of the flesh so that we might live in the power of the Spirit for your glory and alone we pray, amen.